out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is David Eastall, the C86 Show. As you know, we are always playing the finest in indie pop. And we also like to break it up with the occasional interview. This time, it is with the author Malouz Bonja who I'll probably mispronounce slightly, who bought a book out a few years ago titled Somewhere Leather, Somewhere Lace. Um, She did this with Andrea Harriman. Um, It came out on Intellect Books. This is the interview, and after a bit of chat, I began by asking about how the book came into being. Manoose, take it away. Um, well, we have we literally have to go back for 10 years because I, um, I was doing a Tumblr blog and I was collecting photos of um, post-punks and new wavers and goths and also punks, um, even death rock as well, well, whatever term you want to use. So um, alternative people from the 80s. Um, and, um, and I did this because I, so, you know, the whole gothic thing and also the the knowledge and also the images that were out there about the 80s gothic movement was quite limited in my um after my taste so i was looking on the internet and not finding that many examples and i was like okay i can do better i think i have to dig a little deeper and because i was studying history and i have a passion of making photo collections and archiving stuff i was actually um I'm very passionate about making like a really big collection so I started um googling a lot and ended up on Facebook where people were uploading all their youth photos and I found some methods of um actually getting a lot of photos together and so I noticed that a lot of people my age but also people that were from um the 80s movement really liked looking back on these photos and became nostalgic and saw it as an inspiration yes and this is true and it's interesting yeah. just briefly it was interesting because because one thing i've noticed with this is that there seems to be a passing of time which is almost this is my vague theory is 30 years seems to be some sort of like enough kind of years decades have passed to suddenly look back on something i'm not saying that's 100 percent watertight theory but I didn't I did notice last year a few books came out which were sort of about the fanzines of the 80s and again that was like oh that's just about 30 years and what I was trying to say there was that I think there would have been probably two decades 20 years where most people would have if they came across that kind of stuff would have probably chucked it in the bin or landfill or recycling you know and then suddenly there's a moment that goes my god don't throw that away this is amazing fanzine or this is an amazing photograph that captures something that that both feels familiar and yet of a different time it's kind of hard to describe that but there is there is something it takes on a different meaning I didn't know if you had a slightly you know if ever had a, a sort of theory behind the the kind of looking back and I mean nostalgia is a bit of an odd one I must admit we have a love-hate relationship with that but um yes what were, what were your feelings about that um Actually, I said something quite similar some years ago. I I sort of said um, I think it was uh, uh, twenty five years. It's the it's the amount of time I actually um, found um, 
Um, when I was thinking of the time that people start looking back and start feeling nostalgic um, and maybe longing back to when they were young. And also you see there's a lot happening in fashion um, turnover. Uh, for instance, right now you have a, like a huge 90s throwback. Yeah. And that is 25 years ago. Every every fashion you see not right now, at least most um the generation that's uh, a little bit younger than me, they dress exactly like people were dressing in 95. Yes. And for me, that feels really weird because I've seen that in 95 or in the late 90s. And um, But for them, it's completely new and retro. So that's, I think, I think so you see it in more ways. You see them looking back at youth cultures or past musics, um, movements, but also you see it in fashion as well. Yes, well, it's interesting because also the other thing to slightly bring in here, um, <clears throat> while still maintaining the <clears throat> focus about the book, was that, um, that at the time, you know, I remember how tribal things were. So that, you know, you, you know, in the, growing up, I suppose in the seventies a bit, you know, there was a lot of kind of heavy metal stuff, and everyone, you never would say anything about status quo because you'd get beaten up. And then mod came along, but you couldn't like mod and heavy rock because you know you would just again get beaten up. And then there was that post-punk period, which was kind of like you know people like Magazine, Gang of Four, Pill, and then the goth scene, and then you got this indie scene. And it's interesting because I'll have to confess at this stage, I was a bit. Um, I, I wasn't particularly into golf, but I had a slight guilty pleasure because obviously there was some really good sort of, you know, songs from the Mission and um, Susie and the Banshees who didn't, who weren't, you wouldn't want to put in the golf thing completely. But there was also Alien Sex Bean and Sisters of Mercy. And, and I sort of, I have to say, you know, because I didn't go for the fashion side at all. And in fact, I didn't really have much of a style or fashion. And most people would agree with that even today. But but so <laughs> so so it's a bit like so it's kind of interesting because it was a, it's almost taken me a long time to sort of go back and think to let go of that kind of stupid hung up sort of, you you know, you can't like that because the lead singer, I don't know, I don't know, there was one band that used to sort of dress a lot in black and throw sort of talcum powder or flour over themselves. And and in a way, I sort of, that kind of got in the way of the music. So it's kind of, when you were talking about that 25-year kind of passing of time, I think it kind of means that people like me who probably kind of take things too seriously and are incredibly uptight can let go of that. They can just pass it on and think, actually, this was probably quite good. I should have enjoyed it more instead of being so sort of angsty. Oh, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah, so okay. that, that was that. It that was, was very kind of, that silent. Was, that was, yes. Yeah, so that was, yeah, sorry, that was an abrupt finish there. Yeah, so I was just babbling, really. Um. So um, I I think I can feel you there. And um, I I have this feeling with, you know, around the, the early zero tees, you have this goth metal thing going on, which was um, very, it, it was, tacky in a way and it had a lot of theater and was very heavy and very fantasy like and I can imagine that the looks and the whole thing around it can pull people off and sort of like drag you away from the actual music and sometimes you need 20 years 25 years even more to actually revalue what was going on and even on the goth metal thing there I can say now that I actually quite liked a lot of things going on there I mean it's not my main interest when it comes down to my music taste but there were some bands that were actually pretty good 
and pretty clever and mixing um, new sounds back then. And I can sort of like imagine that people that have lived through the 80s and maybe thought of goth as a bit of a dramatic thing and maybe not that good or not that interesting um, can sort of like re, re I'm not sure what the verb would be there, revise or review or uh, uh, reappreciate yes. what was going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I suppose revisit really is it. It's a bit like going back and thinking. Because of, you know, with passing time, often there's other things that happen in one's personal life, which, you know, getting worried or getting angsty about, I don't know, people got used to get very sort of upset about Sting or Bono from U2 or even Enya, you know, and you're thinking, actually, there's there's worse things in life than being all angsty about Sting, Bono and Enya, you know, as as examples. I think you just think, you know, the world you know personal things happen political things happen and you you know eventually you just think I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is and and you know some of it is kind of like perfect it's kind of perfect rock pop isn't it really some of the the sort of the goth stuff that I suppose I can remember and slightly ignored at the time so I'm I'm saying yeah and I guess it takes it takes time to sort of like give like pioneering bands the credits and um, sort of like decide what the influence was of this movement or bands or individuals. And it's often so that at the time people are looked upon like, oh, what you're doing is unoriginal or weird or, and then you need 20, 25 years to actually see this person was kind of brilliant or it really had something going on. So yes. I guess that, that, yeah, you need that. You do need that. And so, look, because there's kind of um, the whole world is kind of um, filled with fantastically creative people like yourself. So there was there's the photographers and then there's people like yourself and Sam Neill, who are brilliant at sort of collecting these kind of um, photographs of yesteryear. And you've got to rem- one has to remember that not all, a lot of these events didn't get a lot of photography either was, you know, because when you look back, not. You know, now if you go to a gig, you know, everyone's got a phone, everyone's filming things, you know, you know, the image of what's all happening on stage is now well documented. But when you go back quite a long way, um, you realise that very few people and very few images exist of some of those kind of iconic moments. So when you were putting this book together, what were your kind of, yes, kind of the easy bits and what were the bits that were quite difficult? Um, Well, obviously, England or Great Britain, whatever you want to call it, it was um, easy because the roots of the scene and the music um, are quite British for most of the time. So, um, and this this scene, but as well as the um, uh, punk scene, was documented um, quite well. And so, this was not the hardest bit. I think um, a lot harder were the uh, Eastern European countries, for instance, because they have been on a lockdown for so long. I mean, um, they were quite isolated uh, when they um, when they were under Soviet influence. And yes, well, that, not many people had. had yes, I was going to yeah. say because there was a book that came out very recently about the punks in East Berlin that someone's brought out, and again, you know, he. He took, a, it was very difficult because the the Stasi were sort of following these characters and had files on them and they were mm-hmm. almost, they would all, they couldn't keep their lyric sheets or any images of themselves or anybody else because of the fear that, um, you know, they would just be locked up and sort of 
dis- yeah. disappeared. So it is it's quite interesting you mentioned that because I yeah. didn't realise that, you know, the, the bands had to sort of try to memorise their lyrics because they couldn't write them down and just keep them because if they got found, then suddenly they would have an even bigger file on them. So, so it's kind of difficult for us in the West to realise how when we think we're being a bit repressed, then you think mm, there's kind of levels of being repressed, aren't there really? Yeah, and and I do touch upon this briefly in the book as well. Um, I've tried to research the Eastern European countries, and it was actually quite shocking what they had to go through because being alternative was actually being against uh, the system and um, being pro-Western ideas. So um, people were arrested and bands were disbanded and um, um, people were put in jail or uh, forced to... Uh, change clothes or uh, get a haircut. They had to shave shave their mohawks, for instance. And they were they were treated pretty brutally, actually. And um, I, it's actually quite sad because it means that your you know your personal development was um, a lot harder than than it was in the Western region so um yes well yeah it was kind of I I suppose when I did an interview with this guy who did the book it sounded terrifying because it's um yes it wasn't like you could just do your own thing it was a bit like you were the enemy of the state and the state would destroy there was there was no kind of gray area it was like you know you are not playing the game and we don't just let you get off that you know we you will be followed Uh, yes because that was the other thing without going too far down that that line was when they found the files of these people like these punks who'd been followed they literally would be you know documented so and so left the flat they went to the bakery they bought something they went back and it was like that sort of detail that um these characters had had on them so you must have yes that must have been a sort of quite a learning curve on that on that front mhm yeah yes so look putting books together yeah it, it, no after you yeah, so no, I wanted to um, to underline that it was um, it was it was interesting to get to know more about how being alternative was in in different countries, how it was for most people very liberating, and for some people um, um, even dangerous. I mean, I, I I remember that there was a guy who was arrested uh, for just wearing black. For just wearing black, and then you are against the system. I mean, it's it's you cannot imagine how it is to live like that. It's just so weird. Yes, it's very strange. So look, when you decided, because it's one thing to have an idea like, oh, we must do a book, and then actually another thing to wake up the next day and think we really are going to do it. So what was the process, and how did you manage to get a publisher to do this? And also, um, you, you collaborated with another person. Yes. So um, as I was telling how um, telling you before how um, how I started collecting these images um, actually quite soon um, after I did this um, I started this blog it was um, quite well received then people really liked it and they were saying to me oh you need to make a book about this you have so many good photos and I was like well I still I'm in my bachelor's and I still need to study many years and um, I'm not sure about the quality of the photos and maybe also copyrights and all that. Um, so I had it in mind, but I was thinking of pushing it a bit later. And I also thought maybe I could do it, but not on my own. It's It might be a bit heavy to carry on my own. And then 
2012, one of my followers on Tumblr, um, she's called Annie Harriman. She uh, she was American and she was very enthusiastic about uh, 80s gothic and um, post-punk music and also the aesthetics of it. And she was like, oh, I'm studying uh, fine arts. I'm um, very interested in, uh, in, in trying to write more about this topic. And I would like, my dream is to make a book someday. And I was like, hmm. You know, I was playing with the thought of making a book. Maybe we should sit, sit together and ex- exchange some uh, some ideas. And she really wanted to write a, uh, a big essay. And I had the archive already and a network and also um, his, the historical knowledge. So uh, and so we were piecing some stuff together and we just decided to go for it basically and um and we tried to find a publisher um and we had some some demands that it should be a publisher that has feeling with um or agrees that the book will be quite picture heavy and that we preferably make a coffee table book and so we were looking out for publishers that were more in that direction. Um, and also we turned down one publisher because basically what they wanted was that we were just writing about the fashion and the looks. And we really um, were not into doing that because I I really stressed, no, this scene is about music and we can never leave out that topic. That would be just silly. And this scene is also about um, being a youth culture, a subculture, and also has to do with political background. And I'm not cutting that out of the story. I'm not just writing about some kind of fashion um, movement or something. That's just too narrow. So we found a publisher. Yes. Um, and then we formed a, uh, um, a crowdfunding action because we had to, uh, or campaign, that's the word, um, because we had to uh, fund uh, the book. Yeah. Excellent. And you must be really pleased to have got got this out with a publisher. And did you, I mean, have you found, you know, that the, the publication has sort of kept an interest? Because sometimes books come out and, you know, they have a very short lifespan, but something like this. And I have noticed because I've sort of, I have to confess, one of those people who do like these books. And I've mentioned him already, Sam Neill, who's done various books on the indie world. He's kind of been sort of archiving photographs that he's obviously got from the internet and various places and and so I just wondered if if it's one of those ones that you still get people discovering it and saying my god I've just seen your book and it's now six years old um sometimes um but it was I think the most activity around the book was um um well when it came out 2014 and around three years from that from that time and then it died out a little bit, but I have to say that my um, my co-author uh, Andy Harriman, uh, when it came out, the book she was more active with actually doing lectures and um, promoting it a bit more. So I think she has might has a better eye for how um, how the reception is up to date, like uh, until today. And for me, it's like once in a while, I, I bump into people. And when I find out that I make the book, I, I still get interesting comments. And um, yeah, it, it's but I mean, the time that I had did some interviews and also sold the book 
um, during events. Um, that that's that's in the past now because it has been six years. Yes. Um, but I guess I can dig it up, or maybe when I ever make a new publication, you can sort of like bring back one of the older books and. Um, um, I, I guess there will really still always people will be interested in 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 a niche book like this. Um, but um, the time that we were selling the book quite well was obviously um, when it when it came out. And um, there are only two um, uh, what do you say um, print rounds or yeah uh, editions, yeah. Um, and the second edition has been sold out, so people can still get it somewhere. Yeah. Blimey, that's nearly, it's, it's that close. And just lastly, I mean, did you get much response? Because obviously, the, you know, you had to sort of uh, credit the photographer and then there's the person whose image it is. Did you, yeah, so how does, how does that process, I just wondered if you were thinking, oh, oh dear, they, there might be just one or two people who might just be horrified at their photograph or, or was that not the case? Um, well, we try to contact every person that was photographed or at least um, made sure that um, the owner of the photograph was uh, okay with that we published it. And when it was made by a professional photographer, you, of course, had to uh, to have an official uh, statement and uh, we paid them as well. So um, I don't think we really had people that were um getting back to us being surprised like oh i'm in the book or i didn't want to be in the book yeah um not really and i i'm let's see i'm not sure if i can say more about this no uh, that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah no oh it's good yeah. no i'm i mean you know i'm pleased that you didn't get i mean there's always you know the, the odd you know, like uh, someone who's not completely happy. But then, yeah, it sounds like it's been, you know, well-received and it's great that you've documented it. I suppose that's the thing. I, I'm really, you know, I think the documentation, archiving of these things is so good because now, you know, it, so much is on the internet and it's out there in, you know, that world. But actually a hard copy is still something quite special. And I think that that gives it that ability to sort of last a bit longer and for anybody in the future to go, yes, this is the book you need to have a look at and read. And, and uh, yeah, that will give you an idea of what the scene was about. Mm -hmm. so yeah, go. and I, I, um, that, that was the idea behind it because I, I knew that, okay, people like blogs, and, but people like it more when they have something they can pull out of their uh, bookshelf and has something what is a little bit different than like the average book that's written about goth or post-punk. And that's why, for instance, I chose the book to be white and not to be black or not to be cliche and to have a certain design inside of the book that's quite minimal. And I think that that helps with presenting the, the photos as well. Yes. And I had, I had good um, um, people, people had, um, were were very satisfied with that as well like oh i'm happy that you didn't make this like fantasy gothic book out of it and that was on purpose yeah excellent well look that is fantastic well thank you ever so much for um sort of yes thinking oh god what does he want 